I love my kids. I love my family. I love being a dad, okay? I, it, it's, a, it's an honor. The Bible talks about children are a heritage of the Lord. The Bible says that. When the Bible says that low children are the heritage of the Lord, the Bible is speaking that they, they've been giving, that God gave us kids. God blessed us with the ability. One of the greatest blessings in your life, if you are a dad, is the kids that are in your life. And I know it doesn't always feel that way. But I can promise you, when God said that I am good, one of the ways that God shows his goodness to us is making his parents. And that comes with a great responsibility. He said, lo, children are the heritage of the Lord. He gave us the blessing of being parents. And we, we say the words all the time, I love my kids. I say it, I love my kids. But I don't know if we fully understand what it means to say the words, I love my kids. The, the, no, the world has a definition of love, but the Bible it truly defines what it means to truly love others. Well, you don't have to turn there. Let, let me just show you this. In the Bible, 1 John 1, 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Well, where did that come from? For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And that he that loveth not God, or knoweth not God, for God is love. Can I make a definition of this to just define something? God is love. Where did I get that definition from? Just so you guys know to back me up. I stand before you holding the very words of God. This isn't created by man. If you were here part of the deep dive, Pastor Matt went deep into this this past week and explained where it came from, the inspiration, the preservation, the authority of Scripture and how it guides our lives. I, I, when I preach on Sunday, if you go to another church and they're not using the word of God to preach from, get out. Amen. Walk out. Because I promise you, you're about to get man's opinion and that will only lead to destruction. It will not lead you to God. We must stand firm on the words of God. Well, as the authority of the words of God, the Bible says that that last definition, that God is love. But here's what the world does is attacking that by defining, because if I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me, and I want you to know where that comes from, I have to go to the Bible in order to get that. But what does man do, or what does the world do? Takes out God and puts in love is love. And I'm not, I'm not going to get out of this Father's Day. I know you're like, where is he going with this? If man begins to define it as love is love, then I don't know what love is. Right. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. You talk about an attack, not just on humanity, talk about attack on the word of God. When all of a sudden I'm not looking to God anymore to find out what love is, I'm looking at love. That's like saying, is that a car? Well, car is car. What does that mean? Car is car. How do I define what that is when you're not using the source of the foundation, the author, the beginning of something? God is love. The next part of that is the verse says it because we're like, well, what does that look like in my everyday life? How do I, how do I live that out? How do I, I, I love my family and I love my kids, but how do I love them the way that God loves them? Verse nine, let's go to the next verse. In this was manifested the love of God towards us. God says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Because that God sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him. 
If you want to know how to love others and love your family and love your kids, it's as simple as this. You guys get this. It's as simple as this. Just follow Jesus. You want to know how to interact with people. You want to know and show them what it's all about. Just live out Jesus. So that's what I want to do today is I want to just show you this because Jesus was about to demonstrate the greatest display of love in human history. If you were to go through all the things that Jesus did, he, if, if God is love and Jesus manifested his love towards us through, through Jesus Christ, everything that we do, when we see his compassion, like, uh, like we, we, we started uh, at the beginning of the service singing these songs all about Jesus, every time we hear about Jesus, his love and his forgiveness and all these things, we're constantly giving visuals of what the love of God is all about. Well, the greatest display of all of this, the pinnacle of that was when Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says in John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. So literally, the passage that we're about to do is the last words of Jesus before he went to the cross. Now, I know he spoke on the cross, and I know he spoke at the trial, and there's all those kind of things. But I'm talking about the disciples that he's pouring into their lives, the love of God. These are the last statements, the last words that they heard in their ears before Jesus was taken off to die on the cross. What did he say? I mean, Jesus knew it was his last words. Jesus knew that was it. I don't think they were hanging on to every word thinking, oh man, these are the last things we're going to hear before Jesus Christ dies. But I just want on this Father's Day before we get into Mark next week, just break down Luke chapter 22 and show you this display of the love of God. Jesus meets with the disciples in the upper room. It's the Passover we know this communion, this last supper that he has. He sits them down and he has this intimate conversation. And we've talked about this when we have communion and things. You can imagine sitting at this table. and the, the, I, don't, I don't know what it felt like, but I can tell you it was different. Jesus was literally lifting up bread and breaking and saying, this is my body broken for you. I don't, I don't think they fully were like, oh, okay. But they're just like, well, wait, where, where are you going with this? How did this take such a shift when we just finished the Passover meal? And, and he's, he's rolling into this, this demonstration of this. And then they, then they begin, Jesus drops his bomb on them that one of you is going to betray me. Okay, and then they, then they argue about that a little bit. Then he goes from that talking about how are, you know, what's going to happen hereafter. And the disciples start this conversation, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is like, whoa, what just happened here? Let's... And he says these words, and Jesus speaks up to them. And he says in, the, in verse 31, and, Jesus, and the Lord said unto Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. The disciples did not fully get this, but Jesus in that moment is, is pouring out love. I mean, he's literally in yourself. That's not love because I love is like patting somebody on the back and saying, I'm here for you. And that's part of love. But here's here's a display of the love of God because Jesus was love and the love of the Father. And and if we're talking about truly the love of the Father, love speaks truth. For any dad here that say, I love God and I want to do the right things and I want to love my kids, here's the truth. In order to do that, love speaks truth. 
to, to ignore truth or, or, or to hear things that are biblical or the way that God wants us to live or the things that are, are, are even controversial in this world and to set them aside because they're, that, that would aggravate somebody and say, I don't want to bring that to my kids because it would, might offend them or whatever. Then whatever you're giving them is biblically not love. Because love speaks truth. And I say that because I think years ago, maybe that was like, of course it does. But now in our politically correct world, it's easy to set aside things that are truth in order not to offend. Can, can I be blatantly honest with you guys? Sometimes the truth is offensive. But it's not you do the offending. It's the word of God, the authority of over our lives. We, we talk about, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. He is the Lord. You know what Lord means? He is our master. We submit under God. Don't make it a song that you sing and not a life that you live. He is our master. We submit to the almighty God. We do that through the, the speaking and the preaching of the word of God. This is countercultural, and I'm okay with that. Because we're out to be biblical, not, not culturally correct. But notice what he says in verse 31. He says, Simon, Simon, behold... That word behold literally means to call the attention to something, to help someone see something. In that moment, Jesus saw an opportunity with those that he loved to like time out, hey, you need to see this. And, and I, I speak to everybody, and it's Father's Day. Of course, I'm going to direct fathers. I'm going to direct everybody. But let me tell you, an important job for us as dads, for us to call, stop in the moment of teaching opportunities to call out truth to our kids. To be at the point to what is right. And listen to what Jesus says as he's doing this. He's warning them in this passage. He said, that's what telling the truth does, is to warn them. He said, Satan has desired to have you. You talk about Jesus that had knew the spiritual realm and he knew the spiritual battle and he's been through these things and he, and he walks up to him and he said, hey, listen, we're not just playing games here. Satan desires, and literally the description of that passage, Satan desires to rip you apart. You talk about warning our kids and like, oh, it doesn't matter. How many of us have heard that? Oh, it doesn't matter. And everybody's doing it. It's not a big deal. We need to time out. Let me show you something. Satan, the enemy of this world, desires to rip you apart. The things you're playing with, the things that you're saying is not a big deal, the things that you're saying everybody does it, it's the playground of Satan to rip you apart. He was warning him about the attack, warning him that the sift you as wheat was, a, was an illustration of, of what they would do to separate like the weeds from the tares. It was, it was something that they would go through that was strenuous on the weeds. And he was he's saying that Satan desires to shake you. 1 Peter 5.8 says that Satan walks about seeking whom he may devour. We're not playing games. How is our kids going to know that the warfare that they're about to go through? And by the way, you guys all know, Jesus knew what Peter was about to do. He was confronting him about that. And, and he's, 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 he's walking into this battle. And as he's about to walk into his battle, Jesus speaks truth into him before he gets in there so that he knows what to do. Guess what, dads? That's our job. We speak truth into our kids so that they know what to do. Passive parenting will destroy your kids. And it's happening all the time. Well, I just, I, they do their thing and I don't say anything. No, warn them. That Satan has traps pointed out what you're doing is sin and it's not right and we must stand against it. 
warn them. And the next thing he does is, is confront them. Watch what Jesus does next. Verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, this is Peter. You know, zealous Peter. Yeah. You know, the, hey, you know, I got this. Put my foot in my mouth. Take the sword out. Cut the ear off this servant. You know, that Peter. Okay. <clears throat> he says, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both in the prison and the death. Man, alive. Can I tell you the reality of what really happened? The Bible explains that there was a maiden, the description of a young girl that was at a fire, and they were, they were warming their hands at the fire, okay? And as they're doing that, the, the young maiden, the Bible describes her and says, aren't you one of the disciples? And Peter, this guy, let me read it again. This, this guy that just said, I am ready to go with you both into prison and into death. Okay, Peter. <laughs> and the little girl says, aren't you, Peter? And Peter melts and he breaks down and he begins to cuss and, 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 and start this rant about, I am not a disciple. And he runs off and he falls apart in that moment. See, the thing is, Jesus knew that your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. The whole thing is, we know things that our kids might not know. And our job is to warn them and confront them so that they don't make the mistakes that are coming. So of course I know this. And why is it it's happening less and less in our culture today? It's happening less and less. Peter's speaking, uh, or Jesus is speaking to Peter, confronting these issues. And, and I'm just being honest with you guys. It, I, I think we struggle with something. Can I, can I tell you the struggle? Just being honest and transparent. The world is pulling our kids this way. And I'm afraid if I'm too hard, I'm going to push them away. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're not raising your hand, but you do know what I'm talking about. It is a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And it's happening in the minds of parents every single day. I don't want to be that parent that comes down so hard that I push my kids away. But I don't want to be that parent that just says nothing to where they don't know the truth. And that is a spiritual warfare. Can I tell you the only way to truly parent is to walk in the spirit of God. Without that you are in trouble. You are in trouble. Without the Spirit of God telling you when to speak and when to be quiet and when to stand up. Because I'm telling you that this is the Word of God and we must speak the truth. We must tell them the truth. I'm telling you that true love confronts. It, it, what's hurting our kids and our parents today is a lot of times we don't want to be parents. To say things like it's none of my business or kids will be kids or I'm, I'm just letting him find his way or that's how things are today or he'll eventually grow out of this or I went through that when I was a kid or nobody's perfect. All of those statements are true. Kids will be kids, but I'm telling you, parent, parents are called to be parents. That's right. That's right. We, we, we are called to step into the confusion and step into the mess and step into the lies of the world to show them the other way. And if you don't speak up, I promise you the world will. And they've got big mouths. And they do not hold back. And they'll put it in every cartoon and every, everything in the world around us and it's pulling them in. And I'm getting sick and tired of watching the devil win because we are not speaking truth to our kids. Jesus is teaching us this. You say, well, wait a minute. Sometimes that doesn't work. Well, let me, let's get the whole story here. There's a lot more coming. But can I tell you, Jesus didn't show up that day one and go, hey, what's going on, guys? Oh, you're having a meal here? It's like, 
Oh, Peter, what have, you, what have you been up to lately, buddy? Jesus walked daily with these people. Jesus walked with the ups and the downs and the hurts and the good and the bad. Jesus walked daily with these people. The, the, the greatest priority that you have in your life, mom and dad, is spending time with your family. The idea that I work so much because I want to give my kids what I didn't have. I tell you what, I'd rather have my presence and, and my influence over their, my kids than for them to have two sets of Nikes. Because one day they'll remember the fact that you spoke truth into their life and you took them out and you sat down with them and you spent time with them and they won't remember the two pairs of Nikes one day. Right now they definitely remember the two pairs of Nikes. <laughs> but one day, you guys know what I'm talking about. I feel like we have this distance, so when we step in, we're, we're not able to connect to their hearts because we've not been walking with their hearts. And I'm not saying this is with everybody, but I'm telling you, it's, it's a manly thing, guys, to spend time with your kids. And to put overtime and everything else, sometimes we just need to say no to our, our, our bosses so we can say yes to our families. And I know that. They, trust me. It's a battle for me. You work for the church, I know. The needs of people never, there's never like, well, we helped every person in need today. Let's go home. (laughs) It never happens. There's always one more person that could use a call and one more visit, one more that, and it's a struggle. But I'm telling you now that my number one priority is to my kids and my wife more than it is to just my ministry. Because if I don't have my kids and my wife, I don't have a ministry. But the, the, these, these things have to be talked about to, 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 to walk with our kids and have a relationship. Jesus had a, a regular relationship with Peter, James, and John and the rest of the disciples so that he could confront them and warn them of what's going on in this world. But if you have to start conversations where it's awkward, I ask you, when's the last time you had a conversation? And sometimes conversations just straight up are uncomfortable, but I'll tell you, that's how life is. I, 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 teach your kids Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. That's their part of it. You need to obey me. You need to, you need to follow my instructions because I have the rule over you. And that sounds so primitive and old school, okay? But it's, it's Bible, but listen to the rest of it. And submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls. Don't leave that part out. For, for the very fact that I've got a responsibility of not just putting shoes on their feet, but to, to, to guard their heart spiritually. I watch for their soul. And the next part of it is, is they must give account. This is my God-given responsibility. You're, you're not, to, to, to not offend them sometimes means that you are offending God. Because you, you must give account. That they might do it with joy and not with grief. For it is unprofitable for you. Live out Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from them. The train is literally hands-on being part of their life in every aspect. But let me show you the next part of this, okay? So true love speaks truth. When it's comfortable, when it's not. When it's popular, when it's not. The next thing is love stands with others. Jesus spoke truth, but watch what he does next. I love the emotion of this. 
Now, sometimes we just, you know, we, we're just like reading, you know, the, you know, we're just going through it, like chapter, chapter one, verse one, verse two, verse three. Stop and think about what's going on in this passage. Stop and think about the emotion that's happening in this. As Jesus literally confronts him to his face of what's happening in this passage, and then what Jesus says next is so powerful. Listen to this, verse, 20, or verse 32. But, you know why he says that? Satan has a desire to have you. You better stand firm. Man, he's going to sift you as wheat. Peter, your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. He, can, he just hits all these things. And after that, I'm sure Peter's a little like, what in the world, man? The other disciples are like, wow, Peter just got burnt, man. Just, and I, I know all these feelings and emotions that are going there. And in the middle of that, Jesus says, but I've prayed for you. You see how powerful that is? Jesus, the Son of God, told Peter, Peter, I go to the king on your behalf. Does that not just give you guys chills? I mean, just to think about for, for, for Peter's, because I, I, maybe in our culture today, that doesn't mean as much because we flippantly say those words so much. I, I think sometimes we, we use uh, a pray, praying, prayed for you, praying is, is Christian lingo. And I, I know we do it a lot. I mean, uh, we're all guilty of it. It's like, I'll pray for you. Did you? I mean, because that, that means something. It literally means I'm going to run to the Father. I'm going to pray on your behalf. And, and, and I think sometimes we just get so used to saying that, that it's almost become, uh, like, like, hey, how are you? I'm good when you're not. And we just say those words uh, uh, as a greeting. Can I, can I take you to a passage in Luke 6, 12? You don't have to turn there. Let me just read this to you. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. That's Jesus there praying. Jesus, throughout the New Testament, throughout the four Gospels, continually was like, and he set himself apart to pray, and he got apart to pray. When the disciples encountered Jesus in the midst of the storm, before that, when he sent them out to the shore, the Bible says that he departed to pray. When Jesus started off his ministry, he went 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying. When, when Peter heard the words from Jesus, I have prayed for you, though, that wasn't Christian lingo. That was literally Jesus saying, I bow my head before the glory, before the King of Kings on your behalf. And that means something. There's another way to say this. I, I, I think it's like saying the words that I, I prayed for you. I think we could take it a step further of Peter just sim- or Jesus simply saying to Peter, it's like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm I'm literally fighting this spiritual battle, and that's how we fight the battles that we have. I'm with you. So to just be parents or people or grandparents that just speak truth, it it needs to be followed up with. And by the way, I know that you're going to face stuff, and I know it's going to be hard. And he talks about if you fall in, how you'll be able to be risen back up and be able to be used by God. Literally saying, whatever you go through, I'm here with you. It's part of the speak the truth and love part. And I'm by your side no matter what. Life is hard, but I'm going to be a rock for you to lean on. 
We're talking about biblical parenting because I think sometimes we, we, we implement the speak the truth part, but we leave out the support part. Jesus is emphasizing this. I've, I've prayed for you. We are at war, and, and I'm here to go with you as you go through this. Love speaks truth. Love stands with others, and love leads by example. I want you to look at what Jesus does next from the different perspective, because I think we're so used to the Easter story, the passion of the Christ, that sometimes we don't, we don't picture ourselves in their shoes. Peter, James, John, the disciples didn't know what was happening next, but I think we've told the story so many times, we've read the story, we've acted it out, we've, we've seen the movie so many times that we, we don't think about the disciples being with Jesus and just think about this as, as he's, Jesus now is about to lead by this example. How many times Jesus got alone to pray? And Jesus got alone to pray when he was in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights. He got away to pray. But this time was different. Jesus stands up knowing that he's going into this spiritual warfare. He's literally fighting to change humanity. I mean, think about Jesus knowing what he's about to do. It wasn't just Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus was about to conquer sin. And he turns to the disciples in that minute, and he says, hey, come with me. I want to show you something. And the disciples were not like, we're going to the Garden of Gethsemane for Jesus to be killed or or to arrested and for Jesus to be. They didn't know that part. Jesus, let, let me... Jesus just told Peter, Satan has desired to, to, to destroy you. And it was almost like Jesus, Peter didn't understand it this minute. Jesus was like saying, can I show you how to deal with this? Because I've been there. Remember the temptation and all that that Jesus went through? I've been there. So Peter, let, let me show you something. Can we look at this from this perspective as we go into this part? In verse 39, and he came out and he went and it was, wasn't want to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. And when he was in the place, he said unto them, Pray ye that ye enter not to temptation. Literally pouring into them, and it's like, this is, but this is how we do this, guys. It is so important that we speak truth. It's so important to say that I'm going to stay with you as you go through this. But I'll tell you how vitally it is important that parents, grandparents, and leaders pull our kids into what it looks like to praise God, worship God, and serve God. That this is what it looks like. It, it's more than just putting my Bible under my arm and going in the church. No, that this is what it looks like. This is, this is how we fight. This is, this is how we go into war. This is how we change the world. Show them what it means to live with passion for God. Look, look at what he says in the verse 42. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So, well, that's a powerful passage about what Jesus was doing. Now, I know, now get me, get me I, I know this is right, that Peter, James, and John kept falling asleep. You guys know that part, all right? They were not nearly as spiritual as Jesus in this moment whatsoever. And Jesus had to keep waking them up. But think about this. Is there, Jesus is about to go on the cross, and he's about to die for our sins. They got to experience hearing Jesus. They were literally, I, I don't know how close they were, but they were close. As, as Peter, James, and John are laying there, and maybe as Peter's drifting off to sleep, or he's trying to stay awake, or they keep poking each other, whatever, to try to stay awake as they're going through this. And then they overhear the words of Jesus saying, Not my will, but thine be done. 
of, of Jesus, the Son of God, surrendering his life in the presence of those guys as an example of this is how you live life. And they were seeing it. They were seeing it. You want to see what they saw? Verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. I don't know how to describe that, guys. I don't know how. I, I don't, how do I, how do I illustrate that? I know we know what it means to pray. I know that. I know. We pray, we pray, we pray. I hate the words. I hate these words. Just so you know, if I hear these words, it drives me crazy. Hey, hey, we're really busy. Let's pray really fast. Oh. Like we need God more than the breath in our bodies, but we're going to squeeze God in as we do something. Oh, no. Let's stop everything. Let's shut it down because I can't do this without God. I don't care if it's opening up a service or, or going on a trip. No, no, no. We stop and we go before the King of Kings and we pray and beg and ask God for help. Let's not squeeze it in. But he's in agony in the presence of Peter, James, and John because it says that he took them further into the garden to pray. Why? Have you ever asked why? I think that uh, you've heard me teach on this before. I've got a lot of things that I believe that Jesus wanted them there to lean on to. And I, I, I could explain that another time because I believe there's teachings of that, 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 that in the humanity of Jesus, that Jesus was teaching us to lean on one another. But I truly believe that Jesus wanted Peter to see what it was all about. And it's Jesus in agony. And the Bible says in one of the gospels that Jesus fell, literally fell down, fell on his face in prayer. Spiritually exhausted. Nothing more to give. He just falls down before God. The Bible says that he is, is, is in sweat as it was great drops of blood falling down to the ground off his face. Peter, wow, wow. I, I, I think when he preached on the day of Pentecost, Peter who messed up to go up there, it's like, man, I can't keep my mouth shut. I've seen, I've seen the love of God. I've seen it so real and vivid. I've seen it. I'm going to ask you a question. What passion for God does your kids see in your life? Come with me. Peter, James, and John, come with me. Sit here. I'm going to pray. And, and I, I think the prayer thing is a great visual, a great illustration of that. I, th I think it's powerful. But I think when it comes to a passion for church, that it shouldn't be the wife going and knocking on the door saying, Honey, are you going to get up? We're going to be late for church. Okay, just like, didn't we just go last Sunday? No, but Sunday's every week. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. The kids are ready. They're already in the car. They're standing at the door. They, they have their Bibles. They're, they're ready to go. Okay. 
Is, is that what they're saying? I'd rather dad crank up 104.9 in the house and walk around. Guys, get up. Sunday, let's go to church. Let's go. Let's go. Got your Bible? Got your Bible? I'm going to be the first one. Let's go. Let's go. When it comes to serving God, say, I'm not, I'm not that typical person that gets involved with that, but get home and just say, hey, I have an idea. What if we all signed up for Bible school and we served God as a family today and kids be like, dad, you're not the one that kind of signs up for stuff. At I, I know I'm not, but I really want to do this. I think we could do it together. To be honest, I already signed up, so we're already in, so let's go. Or when it comes to giving, to set the family down and just say, hey, we were going to do this, but I feel like, would you guys be okay if as a family we pulled back on something we were going to do to give towards that mission project because I just really want to see God work. Because we talk about what the world has all this like gung-ho and let's go and conquer the world. And then we talk about the power of God can change lives and move mountains and let's go. And then our kids see this flatline Christianity. Where's the passion? Where's the passion? Peter, James, and John. Wow. True love leads by example.